welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sage and Spirit. I have a quick announcement for you today, and that is that I have decided to air new podcast episodes every other week now. So you can now expect to have a new podcast to listen to twice a month. And I will be releasing those new episodes on Tuesdays at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you can be on the lookout for new episodes every other week from here on out. Today, I'm bringing you a brand new episode with Charlie Castex. Charlie is an acclaimed psychic, a spiritual guide, and an author spotlighted by the New York Times, HuffPost, ABC, and NBC News. Since 1995, Charlie has guided tens of thousands of people across six continents, pairing his intuitive gift with his passion for empowering others to realize their spiritual potential. Charlie resides in Asheville, North Carolina with his lovely wife, Catherine, his dream drum set, and several gorgeous guitars. In today's episode, Charlie and I are discussing his newly released book, Expand Your Spiritual Bandwidth. We talk a little bit about what that means and how to expand your spiritual awareness coming from a place of self-regulation. We talk a little bit about the original bliss and how to slow down our brainwaves so that we can find different ways of perceiving the world around us. Uh, Today's episode I thought was just really heartwarming, very empowering, And I really enjoyed this conversation with Charlie. I hope that you all get a lot out of it and enjoy today's show. Hey, Charlie, welcome to Sage and Spirit. It's so great to have you here today. How are you? Thank you, Anna Claire. It's a total pleasure. Absolutely. I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah, doing fantastic, really. Awesome. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in Appalachia. I know that you're in the same area, generally speaking, as I am. So we've had a little bit of uh, downpours over the weekend. So it's nice to have a sunny day here and all the plants seem to be loving it. So I'm really glad to have you here today and to sort of bring up a new topic for this podcast for Sage and Spirit. And we're going to really focus today on your latest book release, which is called Expand Your Spiritual Bandwidth. So Mm -hmm. I think that this is going to be really interesting for a lot of our audience here. And I'd love if you could maybe just start with telling us a little bit about how you got on the path that you are today and um, a little bit of that background story. Sure, absolutely. Well, First of all, thank you for having me. It's a, a total pleasure again to share the conversation with you and and connect into uh, this great point of consciousness. So my story begins way, way back in the very beginning. I actually have memories when I was pre, pre-verbal as an infant of having awareness of the issues that my parents were having, for instance, 
um, and having a greater kind of expanded awareness of remembering what I like to call original bliss or original enlightenment, sometimes it's referred to. Um, so there was always that sense of seeing and perceiving more than my senses were necessarily informing me about. And then later on, I was attracted to, you know, in my single digits, let's say I was really attracted to all things religious and spiritual that were surrounding me. Uh, I became an altar boy very early in life, and I was attracted to the mysticism of the church and the, the sense and the general atmosphere of mystery was really intriguing to me. Um, so during that time, I was pretty much like a, a normal kid, a normal boy in the sense that I'd play with G.I. Joe's and matchbox cars, but I also would play with my mother's holy water that she got from Lourdes, France. Um, and, and also as an altar boy, I was enacting masses in my back bedroom by myself too. So that was different. Um, and it led me to this natural culmination or this progression of absorbing information spiritually, both from Christian tradition and also from metaphysical perspectives, uh, which brought me much further along to, uh, in my teen years, I had the advantage and privilege really of studying with two Native American elders. Uh, Sunbury was a medicine man I had a four-year apprenticeship with, and also Sparrow Eagle, who was a Lakota holy man, I had a six-year apprenticeship with. And after those apprenticeships, um, I was deeply fascinated with the tarot and uh, or the tarot cards and uh, tarot really called to me so i just dived into the deep end of the pool in terms of absorbing as much information as i could i just took a ton of books put them through a blender just started you know assimilating all that knowledge uh, without any intention to necessarily be a spiritual guide for others but i wanted to learn as much as i could about the oracle and as i did i found out wow, I'm starting to see images in my mind. I'm starting to feel impressions. I'm starting to see future imagery for people that I began reading for um, just on the basis of reading tarot cards. And so the next thing I know is on this trajectory of serving people with my intuitive gift. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that yeah. with us. Um, and I found it so interesting that you're, you kind of came onto this path through a few different angles that you had this church experience and the mysticism within the, the Christian church. And then you were also sort of coming from this Native American experience. And so how old were you when you had these um, apprenticeships with the Native American elders in your life? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, with Sunbear, I was um, 19, actually. Okay. So, yeah, and uh, that was a, a phenomenal experience that, like I said, lasted several years, uh, right until his death in 1992. And um, it was a remarkable, uh, a remarkable teacher in so many respects, and especially in the sense that he was what people were lovingly referred to as a, a reverse missionary, in the sense that he empowered people that were non-native and of all descriptions and, you know, outside of any kind of prejudice or uh, exclusivity, he was really inclusive and saw that um, walking in balance and being empowered and being connected to medicine in the, in the truest sense means that it should work practically in your life and not just be a philosophy. Um, Sunbear was famous for saying he didn't want to hear about a philosophy unless it grew corn. So bears fruit. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was quite young there, and uh, after the apprenticeship with Sunbear, um, this Lakota 
holy man approached me and the next thing you know i was involved with his teachings and his studies wow, and his, his minister and ministry actually yeah Oh, that's amazing. So I know you're in the Asheville area now. Did you also grow up in this area or was this sort of a different part of the U.S.? At this time? Sure. Yeah, it was a different part of the U.S. At that time, I was living in the Midwest in Nebraska, interestingly, um, or curiously. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the Sparrow Eagle was from the the Pine Ridge Reservation and also the kind of border between, um, it was called Chadron, bet between Nebraska and South Dakota where the Indian reservations were. So before that, though, at my, my original upbringing was in New Jersey. I was born in New York and raised in New Jersey, uh, but I've been in Asheville um, more or less uh, for, for well over 25 years if, with a stint of moving away to Hawaii and to New Mexico and living different places for some years, but always being connected here and always coming back. Asheville has that that draw about it, right? I know yeah, I, I've talked to so many people over the years who have ended up here or have, you know, sort of traveled through as like a stent in their process. And there's always something about this area. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the mountains and maybe the the different geomagnetic points and, and all of that. And so it's always interesting to hear how people get drawn to this area. And, and they're always in some sort of um, spiritual path or pursuit, it seems like. So I find that fascinating that it's such a common thread among so many people. Uh, yeah, it really is. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. It really is. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your new book. And so your new book was just released a few months ago. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Early, early 2021, technically the very end of 2020, we had kind of a silent uh, release. It's, it's called Expand Your Spiritual Bandwidth, as you mentioned. And those are strategies for sinking the spirit, mind and body. And essentially, expand your spiritual bandwidth is a series of strategies that are empowering that are take actionable takeaways that people can work with and it focuses on everything from the basis of the of, of those strategies is minding the store or what's referred to in neuroscience as metacognition which is really just a fancy word for being conscious of what we're thinking about or being able to think about what we're thinking about and uh, from that basis, I get into aspects of developing a compassion reflex and aspects of becoming visionary, psychic hygiene. It covers a lot of different areas, but the, the objective really is to get ourselves into a, a fine state of balance and self-regulation. So self-regulation is the underlying model, but then it moves into transcendence and the mystical. So uh, once we've prepared ourselves properly and we're really in balance, which is to say we have heart coherence and brain coherence and we're not being drug around by the short hairs, by stress hormones and all of that, then we can get into the business of thriving. So um, it's about an empowerment that is related to getting out of that box of constant stress and pressure and uh, dissonance uh, mentally and emotionally. Mm. It yeah. sounds like a really timely release for yeah, such thanks. a topic. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I, I've been very honored, but some people have referred to it as a, you know, an antidote to the 20, 21st century overwhelm. And right. uh, so it's, it's can, been a bit of a calling that. card to the world. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's been satisfying to to introduce a lot of humor into these strategies as well, which I think sometimes is a, a little bit on the rare side um, in, in the spiritual path. So the book 
expand your spiritual bandwidth is really about DIY soul craft. It's about do it yourself soul craft. And it's a basis of all those strategies is a proactive involvement with your evolution. So you get to decide how fast you want to move with all of this or how fast you want to be empowered. But the idea is not about, you know, being in a race, obviously, or being in a hurry. It's about the opposite of that. And I think of it in terms of learning to do from a state of being rather than being from a state of doing. Mm. That's such a great point that you bring up because something that I've noticed, especially, I'd say, it, especially in the past five years or so, is this mm -hmm. sort of glorification of busyness. And there's almost right. this um, like hierarchy that's that's placed upon people. Like the busier you are, then clearly the more important you are, or the more successful you are. You know, there's this whole hustle mentality, and sure. and then there's this other sort of group of thinking or way of thinking that's like like what you're saying like just being just finding a, a state of being and um i think that that's something that maybe a lot of people don't even realize is available to them because we're sort of conditioned with this we gotta you know get up and go to the job and make the money and pay the bills and do all the things right so mm -hmm. um i think that something a lot of people have started to realize over you know, especially the past year and a half throughout this pandemic is that that maybe there's something else to the story, right? Um, because yeah. people found them themselves in a place where they weren't necessarily getting up and going to the nine to five every day that wasn't really even available to them anymore. And I think for a lot of people that can be confusing and maybe even ungrounding um, mm -hmm. because it's a complete shift in in what people are used to in society so um i definitely think that the timing of your book release is uh very synchronistic and and just a really a great time for people to be looking into these sorts of topics and like you mm -hmm. said feeling more empowered um right. and you mentioned that it's it's almost like a diy book to this soul craft that you speak of and i wonder if maybe you could just kind of expand on that a little bit um what you mean by soul craft and sure. if people are new to this topic um how they might sort of come to it and and start to understand it a little bit more deeply sure sure um and i absolutely agree anna claire in terms of the times that we're living in it's really exciting um, there's a a sense of people waking up, you know, a collective awakening, and that's what's so magical. It's like the, the veil's being lifted, and interestingly, out of a lot of dissatisfaction or being the the consciousness in some ways is being provoked by this sense of discontent. Um, so, yeah, there is a, uh, expand your spiritual bandwidth speaks to that aspect of conditioning um, in terms of what we're conditioned to believe and how we're um, kind of essentially a lot of folks are sleepwalking through life. So the, the aspect of empowerment and how it functions is first having some recognition and understanding that there's an inner life, there's a life within you that you refer to as yourself and it feels like you, and there's an outer world. And drawing a distinction between the two is really important. Now, in a higher level of consciousness and a greater sense of what we call uh, depth perception or mystical experience, we realize, oh, it's all one. It's absolutely two sides of the same coin. They're not two different coins. Um, but for the purposes of being able to draw a distinction 
between the drama and the challenges and the, you know, the fracas, the turbulence of the outside world, really helpful to, to understand that. You, in other words, you have your thoughts, but you aren't your thoughts. And you have feelings and emotions, but those emotions are not who you are. They're just how you are, you mm. see? So being able to understand that life is not so much just happening to you, you, it, it's not just a matter of circumstances and events and negotiating the perpetuation of your survival. Um, it's a matter of enjoying the journey and enjoying the experience. And to be able to experience that, that self, that greater self, we have to look for, for it where it is. So we start with the understanding that when we internalize our focus and we quiet and we separate out from the doingness and enter into that state of beingness, then there's a remembrance of what I call original bliss. So just as when, when we were little kids, we were little infants, our primary di directive, our primary imperative was play. nobody had to teach us how to play and nobody had to teach us how to laugh. Um, it's just natural. They had to teach us how to tie our shoes and how to do our ABCs, but nobody <laughs> taught us how to play or laugh. So you'll find that if you start to interior, interiorize your consciousness or internalize your focus to some degree during the day and you get good at it, then you'll start to feel that, that presence that's within you that's so sustaining and it has its own joy. It, it's nothing but love. It's nothing but grace so um, the beginning is, is intending to evolve yourself and it's intending to move past being so heavily identified with our sense of doing this. If we want to get more into beingness, then we have to just, again, remember the person that is doing needs to be recognized. Hmm. You know? Like, right? So the person that's the being that is going through the lifetime ought to be absorbing and experiencing and expressing as much love and joy as possible. So getting back to center and living from the inside out is really the heart of the process of expanding one's spiritual bandwidth. And when we mm -hmm. say expanding the spiritual bandwidth, we're talking about expanding our reception and our perception of divinity. Because if we're perceiving more, <laughs> then we're also receiving more and they're very interconnected. Mm, so mm. yeah, the empowerment process is, is hinged on a proactive involvement with your evolution. And we have to be willing to dismantle a lot of the, the programming that's there. I mean, we can call it conditioning or programming, but just the idea is that, um, well, the idea is that when we, when we become an idea of ourselves or we be, where we become so heavily identified with our thoughts and feelings that we think that is the whole of who we are, then fundamentally we do feel kind of crestfallen and disenchanted, and we know there's something more. And if you look backwards in your life from where you started, you probably started with an open-ended sense of joyousness and bliss and just feeling gung-ho to play and to adventure and to experience. And it's pretty ironic because we come wide open wanting to play and to experience and express love. And then there comes this point where <clears throat> we gain so much information, so much doingness, so much uh, varied input from the outside world that we get disconnected from that earlier experience. So 
the there's an original bliss inside of us and we just want to get back to that thank you for that that sounds really beautiful and <clears throat> i know in myself it's i find that sometimes it's really easy to get really serious really fast um mm -hmm. and i think that again you know part of that probably does go back to this idea of doing all the time and hustling right. and being right. involved in society and, and all these things that we're talking about. Um, and, and it's only become in recent years that I've noticed how serious I've become at times. And I've even had people say to me, you know, I'll be in some sort of group setting and somebody will be like, wow, you're so serious today. And it's kind of a wake up call to me because what it what it shows to me is that I'm getting in my head again. Right. right. And instead of uh -huh. being in that place of just being and perceiving what's around me, receiving all of these different things, I'm all up in my head thinking about what I need to do next and what's on the schedule and, you know, what's going to be what am I going to make for dinner and all of these different things. And so um, when I can find this place of joy and bliss and tapping back into the sense of original bliss, like you say, I love that. Um, yeah. It feels so much more expansive and lighter. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel, you know, to, to feel that joy flood back in is very exciting and gratifying. And I think it opens us up to so much more, just like you said, the more, I think you said, the more that we can perceive, the more we can receive. Right, um, right. And so I wonder if you have any tips for people because of um, the society that we're in, where we're constantly busy doing things. Sure. Um, I work with uh, some teachers down in Peru and something that I've noticed in my work with them is that they're always telling people to get out of their heads. And the teachers that I work with and the people that I've spent most of my time around in uh, the Sacred Valley of Peru, they always talk about living from the heart and really mm -hmm. sort of bringing that energy down from the head and back into the heart and the solar plexus mostly so that we're really grounded mm -hmm. um, and that we're able to sort of live from this place of peace and joy and well-being so if this is kind of a foreign concept to a lot of people in this age that we're living in um yeah any tips that you may have for uh for finding this and obviously people can read your book and and go even deeper sure, but if sure. you just had some sort of initial pointers sure absolutely um <clears throat> so that's very well said anna claire it's very really on point so there is a process of dropping out of the head and into the heart, but only because we've become so top heavy, mm. the, the, the cerebral function and the intellectual capacity is not really the enemy. And it's important to not polarize, I think, or create an oppositional sense within oneself where it's like, oh, you know, we <laughs> got to cut off the head. I think it's more of a matter of being able to operate from the center of the soul, the center of the self and to sense that soul means that we're quieting that we're listening so often to dovetail a little bit of an intuitive tip oftentimes when i'm teaching or mentoring in terms of intuitional intuition development i'll say well the act of receiving guidance begins with listening for it and it's so <clears throat> so tremendously obvious that it can be missed so in terms of this busyness and the busy brain and everything one thing we can do is slow down our brain waves in terms of self-regulation and slowing down the brain waves can happen in many ways basically we have 
several different brainwave states and the typical brainwave state that most people are in when they're just paying attention and they're focused is a beta brainwave state. And it's not unhealthy and it's not negative. It's just if it gets too aroused or into too much of what we call high beta brainwave state, that's when there's a lot of dissonance. That's where there's a bit of a lightning storm in the brain neurochemically. Um, so one thing we can do is well, I'll point to a few spiritual jump starts that I have for people. And one is to not analyze when we're within a disturbing emotion. Okay. Because as soon as you have, as soon as you're all frothed up, the tendency is to rake it over the coals analytically and figure out what's the solution. How do I survive? How long is this going to last? All of that. But see, we have to remember the sequence of events here is that feelings especially emotions that are disturbing or overwhelming will seem random and they'll seem like they just fall out of the sky. But actually thought is the causal phenomenon to the effect of feeling. And this is important to realize. That's why we want to start with minding the store, which is being very conscious of the thoughts that we're having on a daily basis. Even just taking an inventory, uh, which is a brave undertaking, but more than worth it, tremendously satisfying, is to just take some kind of inventory of your thoughts and notice even the relative time frame that they're in. So mm -hmm. how much of a percentage of that, those 60,000 thoughts that the average human thinks on a day, daily basis, how many of them are fixated in the past? And just taking an inventory of that is helpful. But secondarily, getting back to what we were talking about a minute ago, if you're overwhelmed by emotions, then what you can do is return to the present moment, put your attention back on your body, preferably your breath, because if we're sensing, and if we're sensing really deeply, you'll notice a magical effect, which is you won't be thinking, you won't be analyzing. So we have a kind of bifurcation in our consciousness where if we're deeply sensing, and I call it listening, looking, feeling, and focusing within, those are the four directives. If we can do that really well, then there's no headroom left over, even in the literal sense, for us um, in terms of attention and bandwidth to get all up in our heads about the story. So we separate from this narrative that I refer to as the negative narrative oftentimes, and then we learn how to replace it with a noble narrative, which is a new pattern of self-regulation and self-talk. Mm -hmm. So we return to the present, to your breath, that means you're getting back to your body. And then the second thing is, when we're in a fight or flight stage in these higher brainwave states, like higher high beta emergency state, we constrict our focus and we tend to constrict into fear. Um, and so expansion is the opposite of that, of that. And to neurochemically prompt our bodies to relax, what we can do is start to expand our awareness. Okay, so you can close your eyes and actually sense beyond the thing that you're fixated on. So if you think about it in an evolutionary sense, like if you were being chased by an elephant somewhere in the middle of India, it, it would be maladaptive for you to take your attention off that elephant and focus on the landscape or environment. But as long as an elephant isn't chasing you or something isn't really threatening your body and your survival, then as soon as you start to expand awareness beyond your body, which is sensing beyond your body. And there's, it's a practice, it's not hard, and people can learn how to do it easily. We do it unconsciously all the time. That would put you in a state of being able to receive and perceive. And the third aspect 
is you open your heart from that point. You mm -hmm. focus on this center and there are ways to prime that pump. Um, so opening the heart can be elicited or kind of uh, prompted again from associative aspect of thinking about, you know, your, your baby or the, 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 the kids you love that in the family or your, your beloved pet or your grandparents, but you, you shift the channel in your mind to what you're focused on. So you're using the mind that's distracted and you're using it as an instrument to reorient back towards feeling. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a process to it, but that's kind of essentially a great starting point. So just to, to cap that off with a little bit of a nice twist, um, in the spiritual jump starts that I share with people, one of the first ones is to back off your judgments. Because if you back off all your judgments about what's going on, then if I can go into this for a second, mm -hmm. um, we hear the term karma a lot. And um, we recognize this phenomenon of karma in the sense of cause and effect, but there's more to it than that. That's like the tip of the iceberg. So the karma which stems from the word etymologically of, in Sanskrit of action. It means action. So the actions that we have are like bricks, okay? So if you act, you create a brick, and it's either a wall that's going to protect you or it's going to keep the world at bay and become a prison. Now, those bricks are one thing. What you do and don't do is one thing, okay? But the judgments that you have about what you've done and haven't done is the mortar that's stronger than the brick. And that's what this, this is why this matters, is if you can detach from the judgments and back off your judgments, you start softening this illusion and you mellow the drama, and that's ultra important. And we start distancing from our attachments to our doingness, then we're actually starting to initiate the sense of relaxing into being. It's just a matter of remembering how to be. We don't have to learn how to do it, just like we don't have to invent a destiny, we just have to discover our destiny. Mm -hmm. So I hope that helps. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I think that's a really important point that you mentioned too, <clears throat> excuse me, just with remembering, um, you know, that <clears throat> innately we, we have this ability and it's part of who we are, um, but we've become so conditioned or programmed or just used to being in a different state that it it can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes to remember that there is another way of being and i think that it's also super important that you mentioned that it's a practice because i know that i'm the kind of person who when i start a new venture or want to learn a new trade or skill um i often can get discouraged pretty easily if i don't take to it really quickly right, um right. and i guess i've been fortunate enough that some things i take too quickly so i'm able to just really get passionate about them and roll with it sure, um, sure. but you know i've like tried to teach myself instruments over the years and it's like if i don't get it within two tries i'm kind of like okay well i'm just going to try something else um and that may also speak to the attention span of our current society as well, because there's so many distractions and there's so many different things that we can put our interest in and put our, our time and effort into. Um, so to really make a practice out of this seems to be a pretty key aspect. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I definitely agree. And I think that the, the practice is such that the more we're doing 
our process, our spiritual process, what's referred to as sadhana in the East, the more we're doing it, then the less we're really thinking about it. So we don't want to create this opposition of the practice is this construct that's bigger than the experience, you know? So in other words, what's really helpful is to reframe the whole thing coming from um, more of a modern mindset. Yeah. It's always, what's the, what's the final outcome? What's the bottom line? What's the, you know, the, the, the result of this going to be. And when you're planting seeds, it's ultra important to be patient, but not only patient, but proactive in terms of nurturing those seeds. If you're too impatient, you start ripping them up to see if they've sprouted. So I think it's really helpful to have a practice definitely, but realize that just like, well, practice is discipline. And discipline is not an end unto itself. It's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. So the practice is not the thing. It's like, you know, the map is not the mountain. <laughs> so we, the practice is an instrument, but it's very helpful to reframe how we approach our practice, particularly in this way, which is if we shift out of a model of responsibility and obligation, which is, oh man, I need to meditate. Oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't follow my diet today. I didn't, you know, spiritually walk the dog. Then there's all that attendant guilt and dissonance, and it's just totally unnecessary. So moving out of this kind of responsibility should mindset, the obligation mindset, into a mindset of opportunity and potential is so much more sustaining and it's so much more inspiring because you'll think to yourself, wow, I have an opportunity to do a reconnaissance meditation, like five minutes of meditation. And speaking of this formula for staying clear and staying blissed out, if we're even just 50% of our attention is focused on remembering, then we're going to remember if it's if 50% of our attention is focused on our inner life, then we're going to start nurturing that inner life. And then we can start doing from that state of being. And if we're really engaged with the doing from the state of being, then that means like we're operating from the center of our consciousness outward. And we don't have to live on the periphery. We live from the center. And it's amazing how everything just functions really clearly and easily. So yeah, we need to show up to our lives. I have a strategy that's um, in, in Expand Your Spiritual Bandwidth called Spiritual Fitness that speaks to this whole concept because it mirrors physical fitness in the sense that I don't recommend waiting to get motivated to do your practices, okay? It's like Pablo Picasso, the great artist said, like he believed in inspiration, but it always found him when he was hard at work. <laughs> so again, we get inspired when we show up. And I think if we can just reframe from like, oh, I got to do this, got to do that to you have the opportunity to really expand your bandwidth and empower yourself. And if you love yourself enough, because because I believe self-love is the basis of all transformation, we have to love ourselves enough to want to do it in the first place. And that's a whole other conversation <laughs> that we could get right. into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I appreciate that sort of reframing, though, of this idea of a practice. And, and you're right, a lot of times that becomes something that we add to the list of the daily to-dos. And then it becomes 
guilt inducing or we feel bad or like we're not doing the right thing if it's overlooked or if we run out of time or whatever the case may be. Sure, um, sure. A lot of times um, I, I teach a course called plant spirit medicine, and it's really mm. about connecting with the essence, the inner essence of a plant or plant being. And Beautiful. And I, I thank you. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I really enjoy great. it. And um, but a lot of that, it comes down to relationship. And it's mm -hmm. funny because a lot of times when people get into herbal medicine, um, we're many of us are coming from this sort of allopathic mindset where we want to know what treats what and what is the end result, right? right um, right, you know, sure, you take X sure. for Y and you end up in the situation of Z. Right. Um right, right. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because in a lot of the classes I've either taught or been to, you know, people are like, oh, well, what is that good for? And I had a teacher who sort of reframed that for me in my early days of herbalism and, and learning about plants into, well, would you ask that of an, a, a human relationship between people? Right. Oh, this is your grandmother. Well, what is she good for? Well, of course, right. you know, we would never ask that sort of question, most of us. Um, and so what I teach oftentimes is that it really comes down to relationship and want, wanting to, to form these relationships. And the more that we meet with someone or something, some other sentient being, then we're able to, to go deeper, right? And to sort of mm -hmm. peel back these layers. Um, so that's kind of a, a bit of a metaphor that's coming up for me and what you're saying that it's really building this relationship within yourself and with you, your own consciousness, your own spirituality, um, rather than making it, you know, just another tick mark on the to-do list. Does that sort of sound like it resonates a little yes. bit with what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's a beautiful, beautiful parallel there. Yeah, that's it. It's just like when we're investing in ourselves and we're investing in our spirit and life in the experiential sense, you know, not in the sense of the um, quantitative so much. Like mm -hmm. what is, again, what's the final outcome? Was X plus Y, is it, is it Z? What are we going to get out of this? But in the qualitative sense, you notice when you're really feeling fulfilled and you really feel blissful, how you just don't really kind of need anything. Mm -hmm. And that's... Um, that's a remarkable hallmark of empowerment is when you, when you really are free, you're free. So yeah, absolutely. We just have to shift the priority from feeling like everything we're looking for is outside of ourselves and just take a chance on, on discovering the potentials that are inside and investing enough attention and passion or interest that can become passion into uh into finding out you know what what is on the inside and and who am i really and not from so much of a psychological inquiry but from an experiential perspective an experiential quest mm. yeah definitely mm -hmm. uh, it's a very yeah, it's a rich opportunity for people I, lo I love that, just this reframing, that it's an opportunity because it really is. And I think that sometimes we become so disconnected from our innermost beings that it can be a little scary to, to even ask that question, who am I really when I'm not my thoughts, my job, all these sure. external things, right. you know, it can be a little bit scary to be like, well, I don't even actually know who I am. Where do I start? How do you know? And so I think that sometimes that's a little bit of a hurdle for people Definitely. to, to get through at least in the beginning, um, because of the unknown, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I, 
you said it really beautifully. I mean, that's, that's the heart of it. So um, you have to want it is the mm -hmm. thing. Like if you, you can't say you want empowerment without, uh, well, first of all, owning your, your power. Okay. Everybody in general, most people feel like they want to be powerful, but they also have this intuitive sense that there's a responsibility associated with that power. Mm -hmm. And that's where it kind of separates the girls from the women the boys from the men, um, you have to want it. And if you don't want it, if you don't want to be empowered, and if you don't want to seek higher consciousness or discover, you know, the, the bliss inside of yourself, then that's perfectly fine because it's what you already are. Anyhow, um, what we're discovering already is, it's not something we have to invent or dress up, mm. but it's to your point. I think that wanting to have an authentic empowered life is ultra satisfying and there's a distinction between happiness in the sense of pleasure and happiness they're really two different things and they've become very conflated especially in, in the last hundred years or so in our modern 21st century or our, our world's culture let's say mm -hmm the same thing you know pleasure and happiness so if we're, we're having happiness that's innate and that's not so contingent upon the environment then it's it's solid as a rock so one of the things i aspire to do, to to live uh one of the things i inspire to to live daily moment to moment is to allow myself the freedom to choose that no person no thing or no circumstance can ever separate me from my source, from myself, from my from my bliss, unless I give it permission. So it becomes, yes, a practice of awareness, but eventually it becomes a reflex. If we can entrain ourselves to neuroses and we can entrain ourselves to worry and to being freaked out, then we can absolutely, and, and really with a, a lot less effort than people could ever imagine, we can entrain ourselves into relaxing into this miracle that's inside of us and actually enjoying it. So when you feel that bliss and you feel that happiness, it doesn't, the outside world doesn't have so much of an impact on you because you know, you're the curator of your consciousness. You're the curator of your life. And um, you assume that responsibility. And once you assume that responsibility, then you're empowered by it, but you have to want it and you have to show up to it at least with, a little more devotional energy than people apply to their worries and obsessions. Mm. So you're just redirecting all that obsessional energy in the strategy that I teach that's in expand your spiritual bandwidth is called positive fixation. So that's a bit of a flip on this idea of going down the rabbit hole of freaking, you know, and, 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 uh, and going into all of this, uh, you know the the general craziness that people um, romance in their lives. You can really romance um, again this native bliss, this native grace. It's uh, it's very available. We just have to look for it where it is, which is inside of us, inside of ourselves. Absolutely, that's really beautiful, and it's so interesting. Um, to me that that this is always there's always the potential for this and you know you don't have to come to it by any certain point in your life any certain age um but i also find it really interesting that as a as 
as a human, you know, being that a lot of us are often more drawn towards the drama. That's what a lot of people watch on movies or TV or whatever the case may be that it's not, there's a lot more hype around it. Right. And so it's enticing (laughs) it like sends out all these different neurotransmitters and we have different responses, you know, physiologically. Um, But like you're saying too, once we're able to begin shifting out of that a little bit more and into a state of being when we can sort of neutralize that head and heart situation and bring a little bit more neutrality to it. There's so much more bliss to be experienced and just joy in being who we are without needing to be or do anything in particular. And so I really appreciate that you're you're shining a light on this topic and, and that it really is about just having the desire Mm -hmm. to, to, to look at things from a different perspective. And, and maybe even for some people, it's just a a desire to feel differently in their day-to-day processes and to realize that there's more out there than just the daily grind or the daily hustle. Um, so yeah, so that's really great that you have this book out and that people can access this information. Um, and it sounds like it's really, really practical tips, which I know a lot of people appreciate in their, in their busy lives and schedules. Um, and, and one thing too, I just wanted to bring attention to that. I, that I'm hearing from you is that, it's sort of this idea um, that we've all heard a lot of times, I would imagine that it's more about the journey than the destination. It's not about just getting to the beautiful, beautiful waterfall or whatever the case may be. It's about the path that gets you there. And what do you experience along the way and what along that path might help you to grow or to learn? Um, I was actually on a hike one time and I was returning, you know, it's kind of an in and out trail. And there was a group of people that said, well, is there anything interesting? And it was such an odd question to me because I'm thinking, well, it's a hiking trail and these beautiful mountains and they want to know if there's something interesting. And so I was a little confused at first and I was like, oh, well, yeah, you know, we saw some mushrooms and we saw these plants and they were like, yeah, no, but is there like a waterfall or an overlook? And I was just like, well, no, but, you know, and so they turned around because there wasn't this like epic thing at the end that they were hoping they were going to find. Right. And at the time, this was probably almost 10 years ago, but I was so confused by that. Um, And and I think I understand it a little bit more now, although there's also the part of me that's still like, but there was so, so many interesting things along that path. You know, I, I wasn't seeking a waterfall or anything like that, but I think it kind of that kind of demonstrates a lot of what we're talking about with, well, what is the end goal? Because that's what I want. And it's this idea in our society where we want a quick fix or a magic pill. And just, how do I just feel better by tomorrow? And, and a lot of times it does take effort or practice or just really that desire to, to have some sort of, I like what you said about having a devotional aspect, Mm -hmm. really wanting it in your life and, and, doing or being in a way that helps to cultivate that through time, that it's generally not going to be something that, you know, we're at point A one day and the next day we're at point Z. Um, You know, there's, there's a lot on the path in between. And that's really where a lot of the the richness and experience and growth comes from, uh, from what I can tell at least. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Hannah Claire. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an opportunity 
really, when, when we think about human potential, like even just that phrase um, gives the primary instruction. Like it, it gives us the, the calling card to a destiny, which is, oh, I'm here to become, yeah. you know, to be. And if you get good at being, then, you know, that's great because you are a human being. So how many of us are really expert at being? And um, it's again, it's not hard. It's delightful. It's blissful. There's a reason that the saints and mystics and masters and of what thousands of years have talked about what a joyride this is. Yeah. So um, the journey, absolutely, it's it's not about an end game or an end goal. And in some sense, too, it's not really just about taking the journey but it is um, in the sense of like you can compare it to to music it's like we're not it's not just about the length of the song or what where the the kind of arrangement of the tune you know it's about the experience of of that music moment to moment second to second so if we're really awake to that if we're really alive to this miracle and this magic then everything is interesting i feel the same way um that's just a matter of of diminished perspective like it's been said um that um, it reminds me of a quote i once heard from dan millman um, spiritual teacher where he said uh, uh in the way of the peaceful warrior actually that um, boredom was just a non a fundamental non-awareness of life mm. so it's just a diminished perspective so that's why expanding one's spiritual bandwidth is essential if you if you're ready for that and want that because once you're perceiving more then you're having a greater it's just like seeing life in in hd and high def and having a high resolution experience of life means your thoughts are more lucid and you're not fighting your your consciousness in your thoughts and you've learned how to be to manage that energy in the cerebral level and you've learned how to manage the emotional energy um, so you're not addicted to the chemical hormones as you alluded to and uh, that happen from living in a stress state and it becomes just super super rich because you're invested in the idea of oh wow i'm becoming i'm a work in progress and you're not trying to get to any finish line then it becomes a real exquisite freedom and you don't want it to end you want to keep endlessly exploring um, sometimes when i have students that i mentor i'll just tease them and say imagine you just fell into your body right now at, out of nowhere from some other planet and you could be anyone and you could do anything and you had all you had an infinite opportunity to experience and express love okay go what are you going to do how are you going to be and what are you going to do because this is a plane the three 3d world the physical dimension of choice and desire so you might as well get really good and really artful with how you choose and become ultra selective in your choices and to dial in your desires of what you really want. Because when we look at desires, there's definitely a hierarchy and there's a lot of superficial stuff, right? Back to, you know, happiness and pleasure not necessarily being the same thing. Pleasure's great. But you'll see, you almost even children see that if somebody has um, an excess of pleasures, it doesn't necessarily make them happy. In fact, often the reverse. So yeah, to your point, I just want to reinforce, at least from my perspective, that yeah, it's a it's a rich passage um, through time, and we are really are time travelers as spirits or or angels within an animal form. 
So we get this opportunity to demonstrate, to ex express and experience love. And um, that means that you get to decide exactly who you're going to be and how you're going to be. And as soon as you do that, the result takes care of itself. As soon as you've determined your identity and you're a being of great volition and great passion, then you know, you, you have a remarkable contribution here to the world. And it's you don't have to work at being compassionate, you don't have to work at being patient or loving or kind, because it's it's a that's a natural manifestation of that flower blossoming, which is your soul and your life. You're given that opportunity to blossom it. So when we're expanding our spiritual bandwidth, it means that we're just really tapping into that human potential. And we're not separating mind and body, and we're not separating the physical from the spiritual, we're unifying them. Like we say in yoga, it's union. And um, I like to joke that it's kind of a matter of like yoga or noga. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like, if you don't want union, and you like feeling the oppositional pull of stress and strain and frustration and anger and worry, and then then that's fine, because there'll come a time where you kind of want more than that. So uh, yeah, the opportunity is to is to live in bliss and to die in bliss, and not to feel like um, to not let your fear of, for instance, even death, to overcome uh, the gift in the moment that you're receiving. You know, it's like um, fear can eclipse our awareness of what's really happening. So yeah, it's ultra important to to take these initial steps and to want to invest in ourselves. And I'll just, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd like to just point to one more point there, or one more uh, insight, which is that we cannot simultaneously champion ourselves. We can't simultaneously champion ourselves and abuse ourselves. So it's got to be one or the other. You have to either be your best friend and really be, you know, you have, you got, your heart has your back or not. And I speak to that in the strategy uh, number seven, which is about sacred selfishness, which is kind of a juxtaposition of words you don't normally hear. Um, but uh, yeah, once we once we're really championing ourselves with great love and great passion, then you find there's so much more to yourself than you ever imagined. Hmm. Beautifully said. I thank you for that. Thank I really you. appreciate thank that. You. And um, yeah, just what a what a beautiful concept and, and what a beautiful choice that we all have at any really time. And, yeah. and it's always there for us to choose. And so I really appreciate you sharing that with us today and um, just you. having this book available. And I know you have other offerings as well. So if people wanted to learn more about the work that you do, if they wanted to find your book, um, what are some good places that they can find you and your book out and about in the world? Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, charliecastex.com is uh, our site that has our guide, what we call a guidance store on there. And it's got a few different, a uh, couple of different uh, offerings there in terms of my audio course that I have that's based in intuitive training. It's called Power and Practice of Intuition. That's there. Um, expand Your Spiritual Bandwidth. The book is, it's on Amazon, but we also have signed copies through the guidance store. Yeah, and I'm pretty easy to find uh, here and there. I have a little bit of a, um, a social media um, presence that uh, I'm not really a, a big 
media guy in that sense, but um, we do have a little bit uh, it's there if people want to connect. I have what's called the guidance light line programs that I do in, in Facebook. So there's a Charlie Castex guidance light line private group that people can be part of. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So the guidance light line, and I'll make sure mm -hmm. to link all of that in the show notes for people who are listening or want to check yeah. back um, if they're distracted or driving while they're listening. Um, <laughs> so we'll make sure that that's available to everyone. And uh, last question for you today, Charlie, I love to ask my podcast guests, what is nourishing them right now? So anything that's in your world right now that is feeling really nourishing to you in this moment? Mm -hmm. Mm, that's that's a really sweet uh, sweet question. I, I love the intentionality behind that question. So, uh, in a word, grace. Mm. Grace is what's nourishing to me and nourishing me in this moment. Beautiful. And and so I wonder if in in what way, like grace, just in your world around you, or just mm. just experiencing and being open to that. Sure. Well. Grace in the sense that I'm I'm feeling inspired by life and I'm feeling inspired for life. Like mm -hmm. I feel it both ways. And I feel the grace of my teachers that I have, have guided me and continue to guide me. I feel the grace of all of the instinct that I have inside of myself to evolve and to experience and express more love. So I see the grace as that ineffable quality that keeps turning me back to what I most love. It's like, it keeps always just like the sunflower, just always arcing towards the sun. It's like, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to set my timer to it. My heart is just always tuned to that love and that inspiration because I've fallen in love with love. <laughs> and that's, and so that's to me, that, that really is the essence of that grace that I feel. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for oh. For sharing a little more deeply on that with us and what it means to you um well really appreciate you being here today charlie it's so nice to connect with you and it's so funny we both live here in the same area and this is the first time we're connecting um and and hopefully not the last so thank you sure. for taking the time to to share with us today and to give us some of these tips for connecting more deeply and if people are interested hopefully they will go and check out your book and maybe some of your other courses and programs and offerings um sure. so just really appreciate that mm -hmm. and and hope that we get to cross paths again soon yeah likewise anna claire thanks so much for having me it's been just a beautiful uh beautiful time to share together absolutely it was great awesome great thank you connect. charlie thank take you. care yeah, all the best bye-bye bye thank you for listening to sage and spirit you can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform such as apple or google podcasts for more show notes and guest information, visit dancingsagewellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.